0: this is your first time, normally you'll, you'll hear that guy, um, you know, you'll probably hear me 10 to 12 times a year, normally you'll, you'll hear him. Um, he is a communication professor, so he's got this whole thing down pat, um, but I am excited to, to be able to get the opportunity to share with you guys this morning. If you haven't already, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 9. We got a lot of work to do before we get there. Um, let me say this real quick. If you've been coming to redemption for any amount of time, you've kind of heard these one-off statements. Um that uh, Redemption is one church with many congregations that were gospel-centered and outward focused. One of the things that we say um, along those lines is that all of life is all for Jesus, okay? And this may sound silly for me to start here because um, we got a lot of work to do, but, but the reason I want to start there and say this from the front is um, all of life being all for Jesus includes Sunday mornings. Now, that may sound silly um, because we kind of tend to, to like Yeah, obviously it includes Sunday. But my point in saying that is you need to understand when we come here and especially where we're going to go this morning, because as you heard in the text, we're going to talk about something we've talked about at redemption umpteen times we've talked about it a hundred times that it's by grace it's not by works and that if all of life is all for jesus how we work that out when we come here on sunday mornings is we want all arrows pointing to jesus okay so when you walk out of here if this is your first time you've never been before you're not walking out of here wondering was that about debt how to get out of debt or was that how about be you know be a better husband or have a good marriage No, it was about Jesus, okay? So there's no question about how we go about doing that, and it's important that we remember that. Now, I say that because I want to start there because that's where I want to finish as well, that this is all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. Hear me, not for your life, for eternity. It will always be about him, and we wholeheartedly believe that if you put yourself in line with who he is and what he has done, your joy will be complete, man, like you'll stop playing the game. Now, I, I say that because um, for, for us to get to our text in, in Romans chapter nine, verses 30 and 31, um, we, we read this kind of crazy statement. Um, about w- what has kind of taken place and what has happened, and, and the statement we read before I get there um, is on the heels of, for the last two weeks, we've been talking about election. If you've been here the last two weeks, we've been talking about this word that I just, you know, there's been no emails that's come through about predestination or anything like that. It's been a, you know, <laughs> totally joking. Um, okay, so it's, it's been a good conversation we've had for the last two weeks about election. Well, here's the thing. Paul talks about election right after he brings up in chapter nine, verses four through six, um, this idea of who Israel is. Let me read it. You can either turn a page back or um, we might even have it on the screens. I don't know. Um, Nine, four through six. This is what it says, talking about this. I'm just setting us up here so we have kind of a, a place to go. They are Israelites and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, in the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, amen but it is not as though the word of God has failed for not all who are descendants from Israel belong to Israel. Then he goes off on this whole idea of election. These verses that we've spent over, Mortensen talked about two weeks ago, Frank talked about last week, over and over and over. Well, he's rewinding this thing back now and saying, well, let's come back to what's said. And he makes this crazy statement. So here is Israel, and we'll talk about this more in a second, but if you don't know, you have a church background or know anything about who Israel is, Israel's the Jews, okay? And everyone else is Gentiles. Well, he makes this bizarre statement in verses 30 and 31 of chapter nine, when he says this, what shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching the law. Okay, so, so here's why this is crazy. We were just told that they were given, Israel was given the adoption covenants, law, promises, given it all. Here's Israel set up for success, Everyone else is Gentiles and yet we're told the Gentiles received it and Israel did not. So what I want to ask is, what happened? Like how did they go from being that people to not? What happened? And, and this is something that we've talked about over and over and over and we've heard over and over and over. Um, so I want to do it a little different and I want to talk about it in a story format. Okay, Um, because here's the deal. God has really given me an awesome opportunity in my life. Um, I really have a unique story. If if you don't know who I am, um, or, or where I've come from. Man, both my parents were drug addicts growing up. Uh, I spent some time in foster care um, and I kind of saw the underbelly of our society at times living in cars and and um, because God has given me that story, I get to at times um, stand across from somebody who has a similar story and immediately because I have that story, there's this kind of buy-in to what I have to say. There's this foundation that's set. What I mean by that is um, I can say, listen, I know what it's like to be in foster care. I know what it's like to have um, deadbeats for parents and, and they get it, right? Now we all have that in our story like if you're a pastor's kid you totally relate to pastor's kids where I totally don't get pastor's kids and I'm trying to raise them so there's this this <laughs> there's there's this opposite thing that you kind of come to with it and it's it's this weird dichotomy but but the truth is we all have a story where on one level or another we can relate to okay the <laughs> The issue is we have amnesia when it comes to this. Like we don't use each other's stories. A great example of this is this. Um, so my role here at Redemption and being a pastoral resident is I fully believe that Redemption is a church planting church that um, God has called us to plant a church on, on the west side, a redemption congregation, hopefully by his grace. Now, with that being said, I get my hands in um, all the redemption communities on the west side. And there's a community, um, uh, the harder community, um, where a group of people that I get to kind of rub elbows with every week on Friday, um, and they're a bunch of 20-somethings, and I get to see them. Well, um, for us, we get to kind of go around, whether it be a campfire or whether it be in a living room, and we get to kind of talk about what God is doing. Well, here's the thing. A couple weeks ago, um, this not 20-something couple, well, they're older. Um, Dave and Sherry came in, okay? Dave and Sherry comes into this um, t- to this community. And here's what's crazy. Dave and Sherry have been Christians longer than everyone at the table has been alive, okay? So, so they have, I love you, Dave and Sherry. You guys are good peeps, okay? Um, they bring to the, the table a story. So, um, and they do it in grace, right? So you have a bunch of 20-somethings who kind of feel like they have the answer to, to, to life. Like I figured it out. And they're like, well, let me tell you, where I would just be like, you guys are morons. Um, you don't like, you don't, just don't get this. They have, they have the ability to say, listen, I've kind of been there. I've, I've experienced that. I know what that's like. So we can hear their story and learn from their story. Okay, now this is awesome because here's what we're gonna do this morning. This is all I wanna do. If I can say one thing that I want you to walk out of here and absolutely grab onto is this. Can we please learn from the story of Israel? Let's put the story of Israel in front of us. Let's examine it closely. Let's, let's walk alongside of it and see what happened. That first word is what in chapter, in, in verse 30. So here's the problem. The, the Jews didn't get it. The Gentiles did. What happened? So here's their story about 15 verses before our text today, there was uh, two men um, brought up as an example, Jacob and Esau, okay? And uh, I think Frank did a phenomenal job last week unpacking this idea of Jacob. I loved Esau, I hated what love and hate is and how it's referring to there. But I don't wanna talk about that right now. I wanna talk about them specifically. If you have a church background or don't have a church background, I'm sure you've heard the name Abraham, okay? Abraham was going to sacrifice his son. This is a classic thing where he's gonna sacrifice his son. He doesn't. Well, his son is Isaac and Isaac ends up having two children, Jacob and Esau. Here's the thing. Esau is born first. So within Jewish tradition and in their culture, they have uh, all the firstborn or the firstborn gets all the birthright. So he gets the blessing from his father, Isaac. Jacob is the younger. Check this out. Isaac um, wants to bless his older son, Esau. So he tells him it's time to bless you. But Jacob comes in and he deceives his father because Isaac can't really see well at this time. He deceives his father into thinking that he is Esau. So Isaac ends up blessing Jacob and not Esau. Well, Esau's heated at this whole deal, right? So he, you know, basically curses Jacob. He's mad about the whole thing, but Jacob's got the blessing now. Like he has the blessing now. Well, uh, Jacob, which his name means deceiver, by the way, um, continues on in the story and he doesn't like what's going on. He doesn't like that his name is Jacob and it means deceiver. He doesn't like that. Now here's Jacob, a lying thief who stole something from his brother and deceived his father. This is Jacob's story. Literally wrestles with God to have his name, chain, name changed to Israel, okay? Which means God wrestler, which is kind of like a WWF deal. And he, he wrestles with God. He, he, he says, okay, here's the deal. Now your name is Israel. Well, well, this is really important, okay? Because Israel ends up growing and growing and having kids and having kids and having kids. And forever, forevermore, from that point on, they're known as the Israelites, okay? So this is why the, the country, this is, this is Israel's heritage. This is history 101. This is why they're called Israel because this whole thing took place. The true story of the world. So, so here's is Israel now, um, and, and, and now his blessing, now his blessing ends up getting from his father. He gets his blessing, and he passes it on, passes it on, passes it on. Well, they end up moving into to Egypt, which is a different story, and they begin to grow, Okay. So the Israel, hear this, the Israelites who were, by the way, technically should be the Jacobites, the deceivers. Well, technically they should be the Esauites. Okay. But, but here in this moment, they're the Israelites. Okay. They're the Israelites in our timeline. And now they're growing in Israel and they're growing in Israel and they're growing in Israel or uh, not Israel. That doesn't make any sense. They're growing in Egypt. They're growing in Egypt. Well, the Pharaoh in Egypt looks back and says, listen, these guys are getting way out of hand. They're growing way too much. Let's put them into slavery. Okay. He puts them into slavery and they're in slavery for 400 years. This is Bible 101. I'm not trying to patronize anyone. This is just the story. We got to get around Israel's story, okay? So here they are for 400 years. God raises up this man named Moses, raises him up to rescue his people. And this is why this is important. Here God, this whole people, deceiver, deception, God takes this people, they're in slavery, and God saves them. God rescues them out of slavery. And forevermore, if you were to ask today, the Jew, what is the story of the Israelites? Their gospel narrative, their gospel story is the Exodus. Maybe you've seen the Ten Commandments or the Prince of Egypt or whatever it is. Their story is one of God rescued us. God saved us. This is, this is crazy. Like God did this and this is their story. This is the air they breathe. And so he to us like, what happened? How here God choosing this people, this city, how did it go to the Gentiles? This, this gets very confusing. There's a, um, a great story. Maybe you heard about it. In 2006 in April um, uh, in Upland, Indiana at, at Taylor University, there was this crazy wreck. Long story short, there was eight or nine um, staff and students on their way back to the university and a car, an inner truck hit them head on and everyone died except this one girl, Laura, Laura Van Ridd, um, And she was, she was maimed. She was extremely disfigured. She ends up going into the hospital in a coma and she's in a coma for a couple weeks. Well, While she's in a coma, I mean, you have all these families driving up to Upland, Indiana, um, mourning the loss of their husband, daughter, son, whoever it is. And funerals are held. Um, Well, the family comes by their side, the Van Ridd family comes alongside Laura and and, uh, ends up taking care of her, you know, doing what they can, but she's in a coma. Well, eventually when she comes out, all the, you know, the memorial services have been held. She comes out of um, this coma and uh, some strange things start to happen because when they're calling her Laura, um, she keeps insisting that her name is Whitney and they don't know what the deal is. And so, you know, time goes on, her young fiance is there trying to communicate, but she's like, I don't know you, listen. My name is Whitney, I, you know, but she's been, like I said, extremely disfigured and she's been in a coma. So they attribute it to, to um, just some head damage. Well, you know, a week goes by and they're like, what's going on? Why does she keep thinking she's Whitney and not Laura? Um, well, come to find out, um, the, the hospital is like, we gotta figure this out. And they, they do some dental records and they come to find out that there, there was a Whitney in the van. And at the scene of the crime, because these girls looked similar, someone just misidentified um, Whitney as Laura. And so now uh, this woman who who they thought was their daughter is, so imagine the family who held the funeral, like they held the funeral for their daughter is now alive. And this family who thought was now was alive is is now dead. and, And this is what's happening. Like, there's this mixed emotions. These Gentiles who did nothing for God, who weren't given the covenants, who weren't given the promise, they get God. And yet the people who have the story of the goodness of God, the people who look back and say, man, that is our story. The story of God rescuing us, the story of reliance on him, a beautiful, beautiful story. What happened? What happened to this whole thing? Well, What happens is is now God rescues his people and he gives them commands to walk in and to love well. And unfortunately, this is what takes place in in verse 32. Um, As I I reread uh, 31, it says, but they, Israel, who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. It being what? The law, okay? From reaching the law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works, Okay, so somewhere along the line, remember, we're examining the story of Israel. This went from a story of being love and reliance and everything is good. Somewhere along the line, it turned into works-based. Okay, it was grace. God had to save us out of, we were slaves and God had to save us, but now it's works. Um, So I have a confession. I was in the Christian bookstore the other day, okay? Um, And uh, I took my family, we were there, and I had to look for some stuff. My, my son, my six-year-old son Corbin comes up and he brings up this little Bible and it's about two inch by one and a half inch Bible. And um, it's not, obviously it's not the, the whole deal, but in it, it has a summary of every single book of the Bible in it on each page. So he wants to read it and we go through Genesis and you know, it's a story of creation. That's how they sum up Genesis. When we get to Exodus, the, they have to make a call here. Whoever's making this ridiculously tiny Bible um, um, has to make a call. And so they choose to sum up the book of Exodus with the 10 commandments, okay? The problem with that is if you were to ask a Jew what the book of Exodus is, it wouldn't be about the 10 commandments. As a matter of fact, if we were to read the 10 commandments, we wouldn't start with thou shalt not. That's not what we would start with. In Exodus chapter 20, when the 10 commandments are given, this is what it says. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 10 commandments. 600 laws. But what's the premise? What's the premise of the whole thing? I saved you. Now here it is. I rescued you. Now do. Like we, we see, in it's earlier in, in Exodus 19. As a matter of fact, like this is so like beautiful. In Exodus 14, 14, we're told God says, uh, I am the Lord will save you. Hear this moment. I am the Lord to save you. Just be silent. God saves them. In this moment, it's a beautiful thing, and somehow they take this law, which was meant for them to to flourish and for it to be beautiful. It's it's like, um, like like we treat sometimes like and the, the people of Israel treated this this God as if he was working in a math class and not so much like a, a writing or English class. What I mean by that is like in math, it's two plus two is four, four plus four is eight, eight plus eight is twenty, and like you know, I'm just kidding. Okay, um, okay, <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, um, so so. But, but, but see, but not in, in a writing in English class. In English class, it's here's the parameters. We have laws. There are grammatical rules you have to follow. But within it, let poetry, poetry flourish. Let stories be written. And God gives them these confines to love him well. And somewhere along the line, they're taking this beautiful, awesome thing and they turn it into rote manageability. They turn it into something I can control. I can know the outcome of math because when I do this and this, it's this. And it's not beautiful anymore. And you know what's crazy about this? If we were to, to flip this and really, if we're looking at this, an introspective moment for us, we were to look at the story of Israel. Um, Paul in Galatians 3 calls this witchcraft. Like, this is demonic. When we take something God has done and we begin to try to manipulate it, Galatians chapter three, um, verses one through three, this is what he says, "O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Literally, who has put a spell on you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Have Have you begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Like Israel turned this in a faith for it thing into a fight for it thing. They took the law that God gave them and they served that rather than serving the very God himself. You tracking with me on that? Can you see how our hearts naturally do this? How many of us have the story? Like, man, you weren't standing there that day be like, all right, God, I want you. What can I do for you? Okay, I'll do this and you begin to tinker. That's not what happened. Do you remember that day? you remember the day call, God called your name and you looked at the cross and said, here's the deal, man, I can't save myself because I've been trying. I've been trying to find joy in other places, but you alone can save. And somewhere what was reliance and beauty again turned into rope manageability. Now I can control, now I can do. This is the story of Israel. And unfortunately, because we don't learn from stories, we have a tendency to do the same thing. Now, the law is crazy because we're even told in that verse 32 that they didn't pursue it by faith. Like, it was meant to be pursued. Like, it was meant to be, like, awesome, like, like fully enjoyed. I, I had the opportunity, um, my family and I, um, we had the opportunity to go to Legoland last week on Candace, my wife's parents' dime. <laughs> ah, suckers. Okay, so. Um, so, so we go to Legoland. Now, now here's the deal. Um, in the Myers household, we have a rule that, um, when we're driving in a car, you are not allowed to have headphones in. You're not allowed to look at your iPod. You're, you're, um, not just the driver, anybody. Okay. Um, now this, Okay. Um, no, I'm being serious. No one's allowed to look at any. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. Um, okay. Here's the deal. So Corbin isn't allowed to look at his iPod. He's not allowed to look at his iPad. He's not allowed, Now this may be a preference thing, but being a youth pastor for so long, I saw um, a tendency to a 16 year old teenager, get in the car, pop his headphones in, look out the window as his father's driving. And I just don't want that. Like I will rip those headphones right out of your head. Um, okay. Now, if you hear me, if you if you're, if you're letting you, your kids watch TV or, or play. that. Listen, don't like, no, that's sin. That's not, it's not, this is something we decided to do. Okay, this is just something we have. We want the conversation in the car. We wanna talk, we wanna to listen to the same music. It's all, for us, it's just a big deal. Now that rule stands except on long trips. We go on long trips, when we go to California, they're allowed to play, okay? Um, but here's the deal. There are occasional points on the trip as we drive to to California where I say, hey guys, pause it, pause the game, um, turn off the movie, whatever it is, and look outside, okay? Because whether we're driving through the sand dunes, what's like, look at this, buddy. Like, look at how they literally look like they're painted onto the landscape. Have you ever drove past the sand dunes at dusk? Like, it seriously looks like it's fake. It's amazing. Like, or the windmills, like as we drive by the windmills, like Corbin look at this, did you know that the center of the windmill, like that little thing that turns the whole thing, it looks so small, it's the size of a school bus. It's that big and it looks tiny. And of course, like Minecraft doesn't hold to the fact that look at this, look out the window. And listen, it's not that we don't want them to enjoy their trip, that's not the case. We want them fully to enjoy the trip. So there's times where we're driving where there's nothing to see. Like, like when we're driving through Yuma, look at your screens, there's nothing to see here guys. Okay. <laughs> now so 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 for for them to understand like they can look at us they can look at us and say you just don't want me to have fun nobody listen we want you to have the most fun we want you to enjoy enjoy this trip to the fullest and we don't believe just doing what you want this in this moment is is the full like scale of what you can enjoy here and this is God giving them the law this is God putting the law saying listen if you want fullness of life this is how you can draw close to me like, we could see this in, in ourselves, can't we? Like, modern-day modern culture, um, like the cultural wisdom of our day would say, like, you gotta test drive the car before you, um, before you buy it or whatever it is. And, and, and then here's God is saying, no, listen, I, I want you to have one husband or I want you to have one wife. Um, I want you to live with them for the rest of your life. I want you to love them well. And it's like, well, yeah, but okay, this. Okay, well, well I'm telling you, I made marriage. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I made sex. I'm telling you, I made love. And, and, and in the midst of this, you may be enjoying a part of it, but if you want the full trip, if you want to enjoy the full trip, man, I'm telling you, turn off the iPod and look out the window. Like in this moment, God gives them the law and says, these, these laws aren't made to confine you or to compress you. They're made to, to bring fullness of joy. I give you these things because I love you. Um, one of my first jobs, I work, uh, it's like my second or third job, I worked at Chuck E. Cheese, okay? yeah, um, no woos on that, um, okay, well, I, I walk into Chuck E. Cheese, I'm like 16 years old, and I want the job, um, so I say, hey man, do you guys got a job for me, and the guy says, yeah, you can be Chuck E. Cheese, okay, and I'm like, I get to be Chuck, you'll, you'll pay me five dollars an hour to be Chuck E. Cheese, yeah, I'm in, okay, so, so I get this awesome opportunity to be Chuck E. Cheese, day one, okay, I'm like, I'm out there, I'm moonwalking. I'm getting paid $5 an hour for this, okay? I'm giving kids high fives, awesome. Next week, day one, cool, I I get to be Chuck E. Cheese. This is, all right, yeah, high five. Please don't kick me, man, what's your, okay, cool. Okay, week two, day one, all right, here we go, Chuck. Put the mask, freaking mouse head on, okay? Put it on, here we go. Kids, yeah, get out of here, kid. I'm pushing kids away, okay, okay? Six months later, hi, thanks for the job. Here's my two weeks, okay? Why? Somewhere along the line, (laughs) the smell still haunts me. Um, (laughs) Somewhere along the line, this joyous job, like it was awesome, I get to be Chuck E. Cheese turned into I have to be Chuck E. Cheese, okay? Like what happened in that six months? Now, listen, it's not close to what happened with Israel, so that has nothing to do with that, but the point is... For them, this turned in from one good, awesome thing to another thing. And for Israel to really look and see, like, here's the law, it was made for beauty, but you've turned it into some type of game to conquer. And that's not what it was for. Can can I say this just on us, if we can kind of like flip the script on us for a second? Say, listen, pray. Like, read your word. Come to church. But hear me, if your identity is, or, or, or you believe in any way that, that's, that God looks upon you and says, you've got it going on, man, that's it. Man, you, someone has bewitched you. You've been tricked. It didn't start with that. Why, why would God continue it with that? Like he took care of it. Just be silent. I'll save you. But, but, but like Israel, we step into the equation and begin to think, well, yeah, okay, now I need to do this. Now I have to do this. And I hear me like this morning when Corbin woke up, he said, it's Sunday, we're going to church. Yeah, we are. You want to know why? Because I'm raising a pastor's kid right now. And all he's going to know is, is church on Sunday morning for a long time, hopefully forever. Okay. Well, the thing is I wasn't saved until I was a teenager. So when I started going to church on Sunday morning, this was awesome. Like I'm going to church, we're singing, this is great. But for him, I gotta guard his little heart because when he becomes a teenager, his natural tendency is like, ah, we have to go to church? Yeah, buddy, we have to. That's, do you see the difference? Like how in that moment, we're just swimming in water and we don't even know it. Like he, here he is and his heart is just gonna gravitate towards that. This is true for all of us. A relationship with God that started with poetry, beauty, and reliance on God, eventually and slowly, if we are not careful, if we are not reminding ourselves that all of life is all for Jesus, it's all about Jesus, it will always be for Jesus, and it's all because of Jesus, then we slowly, if we don't remind ourselves of this, if we slowly back away from this, our heart turns into this have-to mentality. Um, uh, Samuel Johnson, this this guy in the 1700s, he was a poet, he has a really great quote where he says, um, people people don't need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. Um, And it's a really great way for us to kind of look at this and say, listen, it's not a do this, then do this, then do this. No, no, here's the deal. Why are you praying? Like, why are you serving? Why are you here right now? Why are you here right now? It's like, what, what, what? Like, if you're playing the game, this, what a silly game to play. Church isn't like the most uncool place to be if you're not a Christian. Like, what a silly game. Like, who are we kidding when we do this sometimes? My prayer is that we would be everything but liars. That we would confess it. you don't have it together. You didn't have it together in the beginning. You're not going to have it together in the future. I, I, you got the super cape on. You were yelling at your kids on the way in. Who are you kidding? We don't have this together. And for us to understand that it's only because of Jesus Christ who saves us. It's only because of what he has done. That's the only thing that's going to keep us grounded from moving in the same direction as Israel and not learning from their story. Next verse, as we, as we continue on, this is what it says, and it's, um, it's extremely helpful for us as we read. Uh, we, we pick it up in chapter 10. Um, this is the, the, the what. He started the same way in, in um, 30 and 31 as the what, and he ends up giving the why, and he provides a new what, and I want you to really hear this because this is important. 10-1, um, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to God to knowledge. Let me read this again, because this is, (laughs) we can, we have a tendency, okay. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Hear what he just said. Hear what he just said in describing Israel. You can have a zeal, an enthusiasm for God, and not be saved. You tracking on that? Like, you can absolutely have a zeal for God, an enthusiastic spirit for God, and not be saved. What God did in the law, as it's a tutor for us, as we read in Galatians 3.24, we see that now we're, um, that, that it was a tutor for us. We're not under the law, we're under Christ. God gives them the law because he knows they can't conquer it, and he makes their story stay as one, that in the end, you have to rely on me. So, when, when we skipped over uh, this verse, which I didn't mean to, um, And 32, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And then he goes into the zeal and and save thing. And the trick in this is um, for them, as they look at at the law of God and try to conquer it, that's not what it was for because it can't be conquered. What God pigeonholes them and says, see, you, you can't do this. You have to trust that someone else is going to save you. So the same way we look back on this man, Jesus Christ, and believe with our heart. We didn't see him, but we believe in our heart that Jesus died for our sins. The Israelites had to look forward down the corridors of time and say, we believe someone else is going to come and save us. I don't know how this is going to take place. We can't get it right, but someone else is going to have to save us. So this is, but it's true for all. This can be a stumbling stone. It's not dependent on you, bro. Like our country, and I know we always harp on the the American mentality, but here's the truth. Our country was founded on the idea that we can do it. As we move westward from the East Coast, we're planting uh, uh, cities, we're planting towns, we're doing all this work. And in the end, like when you start a city in Phoenix, you better have some like zeal, okay? This is a buck 20 in the summer. So they're sitting here, no, we can do this. We can do this. And we take our American mentality and we mesh it with our Christianity. And that was... And we're not learning from the story of Israel. So he then says that this awesome claim where, where you can have, and this is crazy, that you can have a zeal for God and not be saved. You can have a zeal for God. So maybe you don't even have a zeal for God. Maybe you're just sitting in here this morning and you, you say, yeah, but I'm a good person. I do a lot of good things. Who are you to say? Okay, hear me. Y- you can do a lot of good things and not be saved. You understand? You understand? Like, there's going to be people, the most terrifying verse in all the Bible, in Matthew 7, there's going to be people who stand before him, who did better things than you probably did, and they ain't going to heaven, bro. You understand? It's not about what you do. Okay, so we continue on in, uh, in verse 3, the why. So, so they can have a zeal. Um, for God and not be saved and, and and this is why because being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own they did not submit to God's righteousness okay th- this is this is the the, the trick in this moment because they don't submit to God's righteousness as we've been talking about they choose to do it on their own own. Um, and for some of us, we're doing that like every single day. Maybe we're fighting that battle. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're finding our identity um, in that. But I've, I've, uh, I've tried to quote Spurgeon um, every single time I've been up here. Um, and I want to quote him again because he has a great truth that I think uh, if we listen to um, should trip us up a little bit. Here, here's what it says. Thousands of people are perishing in the light, even as the heathen perish in the dark. Many are wrapping themselves up in their own righteousness and are sure to be lost. Take heed to yourself, you that follow after the law of righteousness. Remember, you may be in the invisible church, and yet may be stra- You may be, vi- you may be in the visible church, and yet may be strangers to the grace of God. You may be earnestly seeking righteousness in the wrong way, and this is a terrible thing. So let me put it like this: um, pretend there's a guy, and um, he's got this field that needs to be worked on. And um, so he's got to get up and start early. There's a lot of work to be done. It's like 4 a.m. So he goes into town, and as he goes into town, he, he sees a couple day labor dudes. And he says, Hey, listen, I got a bunch of work to do in the field. I'll pay you a, a decent wage. Can you come out and work for me? I promise. I'll pay you fair. It's going to be good. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you, cool. So he brings them in. Two or three guys start working in the field. He sees, man, the work's not being done the way I'd like it to. So around 7 uh, a.m., he, he goes back to town. I need to get some more guys. So he comes over. Hey, listen, can you guys go in there? I'll pay you a fair daily wage. It'll be honest and true. I promise. You'll be good. Okay, cool. Come on. So they come over here. And so now he's got some, some more guys. It's about 10 or 11 a.m. at this point. Point. the job's not getting done Okay, come back over. Hey guys, listen, I got some guys working in the field. There's a lot to do. Um, here's the thing, it's not getting done. Can you come over? I'll pay you a fair daily wage. Cool. Brings them over. This happens again at 12. This happens again at one. It's about three o'clock an hour because uh, an hour before he shuts this beast down, he wants to be done at four. He sees there's an hour left. Oh gosh, I got to get all this done. He goes into town, picks up these day labor guys. Hey, listen, I need like an hour work. I promise I'll pay you a fair wage. Come and work for me. Cool. Okay. They come up, they pay, they come up and they start working in this field. Get to work, get the work, get the work. Cool. Done all right, come up, get paid. Well, the guys who got hired on last, just picture this with me. The guys who get hired on last begin to come up to him and the guy hands the first guy an envelope and it's a thousand dollars. Well, this guy was expecting to get paid like 20 bucks. Okay. He gives him a thousand dollars. The guy who was hired at 4am is standing back here and he sees how much is in that envelope. He says, a grand. He paid that dude a grand. I'm getting like 10. Okay. So he says in this moment, here's a thousand dollars. Guys at seven, $1,000. $1,000. Guys at 10, $1,000. Guys at noon, $1,000. And he's standing there, he's like, they're giving all $1,000. But Dude, I, I've, I was here at 4 a.m. I'm sure I'm going to get something more. Three o'clock, uh, three o'clock goes um, all the way, they go all the way backwards. I'm sorry, I was doing that backwards. Um, now we get all the way back to the guys at 4 a.m. So here's these guys. Uh, everyone's been paid $1,000. And here comes this guy who's been there for 12 hours. He watched the guy get paid $1,000, who was there at three, who only works for an hour. And here's the owner of the field. He hands him, hands him an envelope, and in it is $1,000 wait a minute. I was here for 12 hours. You paid that guy a thousand dollars and he was here for an hour. Yeah. But I promised you a day wage. How much did you expect? Well, I only expected like 200 bucks, but I mean, a thousand dollars is a lot, but that's not fair because you, you paid him a thousand dollars and, and I'm getting paid. It. Yeah. But you got paid what, I mean, did I promise you a day's wage and it would be fair? Yeah. Is that fair? Well, between you and I, it is, but okay. A thousand dollars. It's my money. I'll give it to you however I want to give it to you. And if that's fair, and if I want to give away my money to them, then I can give away my money to them. Okay, does this story seem unfair to you? Like, let it sit for a second. All these workers, and not all of them work the same, and yet they all get $1,000. Is that fair to you? You know what's crazy is in Matthew 20, this is the exact parable that Jesus gives, and he premises the whole parable with, and this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. That for you, you can be born on this freaking altar. You can be born right here, be at every church on Sunday. You can do all the right things your whole life. Get everything right. Man, I know I'm a sinner. I know how to use the word missional. I, I get it. And go your whole life. And yet the guy who dies of brain cancer two weeks before he dies, he, Jesus I wish I had a thousand more lives, because if I did, I would give them to you. Unfortunately, I don't. Please forgive me. He gives two weeks to God, and you gave 80 years, 100 years. And yet you're going to stand before Jesus, and this is why we've been talking about election, and this is why we've been talking about uh, salvation, in that it's God's to give. God gives it however he wants to give it. Can you not see that God chose a people who were doing the wrong thing for the wrong reason over people who were doing the right thing for the wrong reason? Can you not see it's a facade? Can we not see that we've been bewitched? That every day we're being tricked into thinking that if I can do the right things, if I can climb the corporate ladder, if I can get this right, that doesn't mess with Christianity. The gospel's anti, if you help yourself, God will help you. That's anti-gospel. God helps those who can't help themselves. God looks down and says, you didn't earn me, I earned me. This is the gospel. This is why we remind ourselves every single arrow, whether we leave here or come here on Sunday morning, is about Jesus. Because the moment it stops being about Jesus and the moment we go down that timeline and forget that, we begin to find ourselves in a relationship that is rote and manageable. We end up in a math class. I can conquer algebra. I can learn this. And it's not poetry. It's not beauty. It's not what God designed. To wrap up our last verse, this is what it says. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Um, Right after the book of Romans is the book of 1 Corinthians. And Paul uses over 10,000 words in the book of Corinthians correcting this church how they can't get it right. You did this wrong, do it like this. You did this wrong, do it like this. Over and over and over. And you know what he saves for the last chapter in that book? He simply says, this I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel. Like, getting it right is good and God-honoring if it has an underlining tone of the gospel. If you know that's not what, what, what gets you to him, if you know that Christ is the end of the law, if you know and trust that he did it, then hear what I'm saying. Listen, we can't get past this. Universities are started all over the world, every single week in this world, all the time. But none of them can get rid of the alphabet. They all have to start there. Do you understand? Like this is something that that Israel thought they can move on from, from God's grace. You can't. I plead with you, please, please. As Spurgeon would say, remind yourself of the gospel daily. This is the most important thing you can do, that you would remind yourself of the gospel daily. The prayer is that we, we would see the story of Israel, that we, we wouldn't turn it into from a faith for it to a fight for it thing, that we wouldn't see the law of God and, 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 and focus on that and forget the one who gave us that law, but we would see Jesus Christ and all he's worth and what he's done and that he is the end of the law and he is our righteousness. Please don't forget that. Don't be bewitched. Don't let the enemy trick you into anything else. May God be given glory. May Jesus Christ be lifted up. He is everything. He will always be everything. May our hearts never forget it.